Hey, hey, we're your hosts. I'm Charlotte. And I'm Jonathan. And we believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give to yourself is the gift of wholeness through integrating all aspects of what it means to be human. And in this podcast, we're bringing you insight, information, and inspiration to move from a stressful to stress-free life. Your journey to becoming even healthier and happier starts right now. Welcome to Wellness Theory, the podcast. So I'm actually recording this after interviewing today's guest for our second podcast thrive in the workplace and become a force for good because everything that our guest today carol shared about finance is totally applicable to everybody that listens to this podcast too because we know from speaking to so many of you that finance obviously is one of our biggest stresses and it can add so much pressure to ourselves and sometimes it can be really hard to navigate so we are now sharing this episode on this podcast too if you're curious about our other podcast thrive in the workplace and you are somebody who is leading teams or perhaps wants to be a leader and wants some new strategies and to perhaps talk about some of the challenges we face in the workplace then go ahead and check that out the link will be in the show notes but for now enjoy today's episode Welcome to today's show. I'm your host, Charlotte Stebbing-Mills, and today I'm joined by Carol Glynn, who is a financial wellness coach and mentor. Her company, Conscious Finance Coaching, works with clients to optimize and take control of their money through practical financial literacy education, mindset coaching, and mentoring. She was educated in Ireland and has decades of industry experience as a chartered accountant in audit and industry regional head of finance roles. Through her bespoke employee wellness programs and individual coaching and a very active public profile, Carol is now teaching finance rather than practicing it. And today's episode is going to be a gem for you. Welcome to the show, Carol. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy that you're here because you talk about a topic that is so important, but is so often overlooked at an individual standpoint, but also as just a well-being piece of the organizational puzzle that exists in the corporate world as well. So, oh, I don't even know where to begin with you. So let's just start (laughs) at the beginning with tell our listeners a little bit about you and, um, you know, what it is you do and what's led you to what you do. Okay. So, yeah, and thank you for letting me talk about it, because you're right, we don't talk about money enough, um, but I love to talk about it. So very happy to be here. So about me, um, I am a chartered accountant by trade. I had a very corporate career in Europe and here in the Middle East. I've been here for 14 years now. Um, Big four trained, then went into industry where I was regional CFO, head of finance. Very lucky to have a really great career. Um, and, and, you know, when you think about it from many aspects and even the industries that I worked in were very male dominated. So insurance, consulting, armed protection, you know, that kind of area. And I was a woman in the Middle East in finance, you know, but I had a really great career. I was blessed and I'm very grateful for that. But, you know, to answer your question, how did I get to what I'm doing? I is that especially in my last role it was an amazing company surrounded by amazing people well paid great work-life balance for finance which is rare um and I wasn't happy so that's when almost four years ago now I um finished up in that company and decided it was time to do something different 
So I took a little bit of time out to figure out what that is. And that's when I came up with my business. Um, And my business really is centered around taking the shame, anxiety, the worry, the stress out of money. And that takes many forms um, because it is often reported as the number one cause of stress worldwide. It is probably one of the things we talk about least in an honest and vulnerable way but yet it's probably the thing we deal with most every day you know if you think about it how many decisions do you make every day that are not impacted by money I would say almost none almost none but yet it's this big taboo and I realized um I realized that very quickly and I wanted to do something that I was helping people that I could use my skill set um and that I could work for myself and that's why I do what I do. So I help people with everything from their money mindsets, the energy around money to financial literacy, to the practical tools and how to combine them to have, you know, really the goal is financial. It is a major part of our wellness pillars. Um, thankfully, more recently, it's been recognized more and more, but we have a bit to go still to be open to even talking about money, especially, you know, in certain circumstances. Yeah, definitely. And it's so good that you're like pioneering this and you're championing it because you've got like more than enough expertise and, you know, experience from your kind of corporate days as well, combining that into now your business, which is called um, Conscious Finance Coaching, right? Um, And we need to become more conscious of it as individuals like I didn't even really for me personally I didn't realize I even had any issues when it come to finances when it comes mm. to my relationship with it because it was just this thing that was in my life every day until I became more self-aware and became conscious of then how do I feel about it why am I making the decision that I'm making why did I choose to max out that credit card for that reason in that moment of my life when that was probably the most stupid decision I could have made now in hindsight you know like these Silly things, but they, yeah. they they leave a signature on our body, right, and yeah. on our on our mind, and and how we then like really try to address it and show up in life. And so there's there's so many different facets of how um, financial well being is is playing a part. And you're absolutely right in what you said about finance being one of the stresses. A questionnaire that we have, um, particularly for our coaching line of our business, is um, you know understanding people's stress and understanding what is the the um thing that's stressing them out the most and finance is always always in that top mm-hmm. always um and it's it's having a massive knock-on effect to then how they show up in relationships how honest they are with people that they care about how honest they are and how satisfied they are in a work situation so yep. if you had to define financial wellness like what what is mm-hmm. So for me, financial wellness is when all aspects of your financial life are aligned and supporting you to live a life in line with your values. And that leads to a fulfilling life. So if I break that down, very often we treat money as something that is either bad or the root of all evil, those kind of things. But for me, it's just an energy. You know, it's it's something that we need to live our daily lives. And when we control it rather than letting it control us, it's just a tool for us to do what we want to do in life. So when we come at it from that side, that's when financial wellness starts kind of manifesting itself in our lives, that we're not working for it, it's working for us. And that's when our nervous systems calm down, our our we we our stress levels reduce because it's that sense of empowerment and control not we can't always be in control 
of what happens. But when we are, or so we can't always control what happens, but we can feel like we're in control of what we're doing with our money. And that's when we start feeling financially well. Yeah. Um, and it's really just aligning our money with our values, like using our money to do what's important to us in life. Yeah, I think it's sometimes a challenge because money and finance can sometimes be really overcomplicated and yeah. therefore it's easier for people to almost like bury their head in the sand and not ignore it but just think about it as minimally as they can you know most most of us we learn maths at school and but not really in a financial context yeah. we didn't learn about financial literacy we definitely didn't learn about our core values not in my school system oh. <laughs> and no, to bring those two together um yeah it's perfect sense that that then calms our nervous system it puts our mind at ease so that we can then you know be well right so yeah. what would you say some of the biggest um myths are about finances let's maybe just start there let's um bust some myths and then dive a little bit deeper into how to practically apply financial yeah. well one is the one you touched on that you have to be good at maths to be good at money no you don't it helps of course it helps but we all have calculators in our pockets you know and our decisions that we're making at money are rarely maths driven it's emotional that's so that's a myth that it's and that it's very structured and mathematic mathematical and there's a hard and fast right and wrong not true that it is for others one of the one of the big things um that i see especially in women when it comes to money is oh other people are just better at it than me I couldn't possibly be good with money, that we are conditioned to believe that we are just not capable of being good with money. And the other big one is that it's so complicated. And you're right, like you said, I mean, I think the finance industry has done an amazing job of, of making it feel complicated and seem complicated. Um, and of course, there's complicated elements of it. I mean, if you're going to go into derivatives and fancy investments, that does become quite complex. But the essentials and the basics of money management on a daily basis really isn't complex. And actually, the least complex it is, the more beneficial it is. So that's the biggest ones. And I think because we then feel like there, it is very complex, um, and the reason why we don't address it very often is we procrastinate because we know it's there. You know, the, the vast majority of my clients will say, oh, I've been burying my head in the sand about this for so long because it just felt overwhelming because I spoke to my sister, my brother, my dad, my friend. I watched this thing on TikTok. I've did this other thing and they all told me different things. They all said I should do this, this or I should do that. And then we procrastinate because it's too much. Yeah. But actually what I call that is, you know, that's where we go. They're just ideas. They all probably, maybe not all, but most of them will have legitimacy in their own right. But that's that person's value system. That's what's important to them. What you need to do is go, does that work for me? Does that get me to where I want to be? No. Okay, great. That's good for them, but I'm going to do something else. And that helps with the procrastination. Um, but we are, you know, it's because we're bamboozled with all of this complicated and options and different opinions. People are very opinionated when they do talk about money. Um, and that's what drives that view that, oh, it's not for me. That's for other people who are smarter than me, better than me, wiser than me, whatever that might be. And when we buy into those those myths that you've just shared, mm -hmm. we we then become we allow it to be very vague, a vague part of our life. 
but yet yeah. we, we're feeling very real feelings about it, even though we're making the problem quite vague. And what I've noticed and what a lot of people speak about when we do employee well-being surveys, uh, when it comes a little bit around the finance side, is we're, we're asking them, you know, like, how are you um, feeling around your financial situation? Um, uh, do you feel like you're fairly paid, for example? Questions similar to this. And chances are, like, most of the time, the answer is no, like, they, they should be getting paid more. And actually, if you really dive into a co deeper conversation with them or just sit into a focus group and listen to the discussion and around money when that topic comes up, it's so interesting how them wanting a pay rise or them feeling like they should be compensated in this way or that way isn't connected and anchored and rooted in to their reality. Because when mm. you know there's follow-up questions in and around, um, you know, do you know how much you want to earn by the end of the year? How much do you need to live the life that you want to live? And like, I don't know, I've never thought about it. It's like, well, how do you no. know you need a pay rise? Like, you might be earning want more enough to be happy. Exactly. I just want more. And when we operate from that space, there's that scarcity mindset in play, right? It's like that person's getting more than me. I can't do this. Yeah. Can I do that? And that's when we're operating in fear, which then obviously overspills in, into every area of life, but um, can really yeah. show harshly in a work competitive work environment so I would love to hear your insights on that yes I mean that that really just sums it up what's driving this stress as well that need for more that need for more but not knowing why you need more just and it's almost like I will be happier when I will be able to do things when but without any for me clarity without any clarity about like you said well, what is it costing me to live right now? How am I spending my money right now? You know, maybe what I have actually is enough if I start aligning with my values and more conscious about how I use my money. Like I talk a lot about, it's not about what you earn, it's what you do with what you earn. Because no matter how many zeros you have, if you're not rooted in that value system and very conscious and clear about what you're doing with your money right now, your your problems will just expand. I don't know if you ever come across the... um. The, the research, I think it's called the Parkinson's law, yep. where it applies to, you know, when we fill a task and like it absolutely applies to money. Like that person will sit there and go, when I earn X amount more, then I will. But they'll earn that X amount more and it won't be enough. And it won't be enough because their lifestyle will creep because the habits are not healthy. And then they'll always wonder, and that's driving distress. And a lot of people think that's greed. It's, I, it's rarely greed. It's just that need for relief. When I have more, it'll be less stress. When I have more, I'll be able to do these things. Um, but actually, we can do a lot more with what we currently have when we're more conscious about it. And we're not thought that. We're always thought, ask for more, have more, get more, when you have more. And the problem is that carrot never stops moving. Yeah. When I have more, I'll reach that. And there's a survey, I think it's something like when employees get salary increases, they're only satisfied for something like three days. Yeah. And then it's like the next one. Then I want the next one because it because unless it has a purpose and I talk about this a lot, especially with um, all of your money, but especially with your savings, you know, that scarcity mindset can drive hoarding with your money. I need to save. I need to save. Or it could be I need more. I need more. I need more because it's never enough. But never enough for what? Yeah. You know, if, if you don't have a purpose for your money, if you don't have a purpose for your saving, where do you have? 1,000 or 100,000 sitting in a bank account, it's going to feel the same to you mm. because it's never going to be enough because you don't know what it's for and it's not attached to anything of value to you. And you're trying to, to you know, it's like, it's like emotional eating. 
you know, we're trying to fill a void with food that actually food is not going to fill it. Or you'll have maybe an instant few seconds of, oh, that feels good. And then what's next? Yeah. Money is exactly the same. If that's what you're if that's what you're placing your sense of achievement or value or happiness on when you have more, that more never stops moving ahead. It, it doesn't. And that's also when keeping up with the Joneses comes in yeah. because you're comparing yourself. They look happy. I want that. Yeah. But do you really? Exactly. Do you really? If you and yeah. if you really like looked and see mm. what you really want, you know, it, it's it fascinates. Yeah. It really does because, like, it's it's easy. I think when you're on the other side of it to see it, but when you're in it, 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 oh, can, yeah. it can be really really tough. So and I think we end up setting ourselves up for failure in many ways, right? So we think that striving for more is the way forward, like that 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 is the way to go. But what that does yeah. sets up individuals to fail often. Yep. Um, but it also sets up organizations to to fail to some extent as well because they can't keep promoting everyone and they can't keep giving everybody pay rises like just look at the economy look at the way businesses are run like it's not practical to do that in the same amounts that individuals are demanding and i think it's become more and more apparent that you know there is a lot more opportunity now the world's opened with the internet people can earn more money here there and everywhere um and they try and have these side hustles but then that's then affecting workplace performance where they're perhaps spending their full time and there's I think such a opportunity for companies to start to mitigate some of these issues with their employees because it's them that will benefit in the long term if they know that their employees are happy and aligned when it comes to financially they're not going to get their every employee banging on the leader's door saying I want a pay rise when's my next you know uh, increase yeah and I'm laughing some corporates um have said one of their fears of having someone to come in and talk i just get a line of people outside my door asking for more money and actually (laughs) actually it'll probably be the opposite people will feel more satisfied with what they have or if they do come asking for more it's from a more grounded place of actually my role maybe is at a level where it should be earning this amount of money rather than I want, I need, I have to have that lack you need to give to me that never stops. Um, that actually what I do exactly is help people manage the money they have better so that they don't have that constant stress and need for, oh, I need more, I need more, I need more. I can only do better if I have more. So yeah, it is, but there is that fear. Absolutely. I've had that a few times. Oh, won't they just come looking for more money? And this is real issues <laughs> but, no. but if you flip it on its head and then go go back to the, the the why is it happening in the first place and like you said it's very emotional so by just giving yeah. somebody a financial physical fix and increasing the number on their their wage slip or in their bank account isn't going to resolve the emotional issue uh, so no. like have it for um, a leader to be conscious enough to say okay well if i understand what's emotionally driving my employees perhaps they'll they'll become more aligned and more at ease and they're going to then be able to use all of that pent up stressful energy that they're wasting on lack into more creative when we're in that stress state we're attracting right we're almost like looking around and on alert and like oh well i can't share that idea in case that person takes it and if that person takes it they might get the pay rise and i need that pay rise you know and that this whole like hustly bustly toxicity starts to creep into culture and it's unnecessary 
yeah it is and it's toxic yes exactly toxic Mm. yeah it really is and a lot of the time it is driven by and and we see it driven by money and i think we need to be careful with this as well because then there's a lot of a judgment attached to that oh they're 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 money grabbing they're they only care about money but back to the emotional piece usually what's underpinning that need for more money or that drive for more money is an emotion of lack and insecurity more money is more security or more money will be <coughs> my self-worth you know, if I earn more, then I'm more, more worthy. Therefore, I am a better provider. I am, you know, successful. So it's not necessarily the money itself. It's what the emotion attached to that money is giving that person. Um, and that's why it's really important to look at what's underpinning those behaviors. Why are people looking for more? And sometimes it is they're underpaid and we can't deny that. Yeah. But that's a separate situation to just I need more. I need more. I need more. Um, why do you need more? And that's where I and I love when companies allow me to come in from that prospect, that mindset to just bring it back to, OK, well, what is your value system? What are your goals? You know, what do you do with your money right now? How is your money adding to your life right now? What is the income that you currently have allowing you to do that? A lot of the time we're not even recognizing, you know, we're not focused on, oh, actually what I have gives me a lot. Yeah. And even that in itself can go, oh, okay, right. I, I'm, I'm constantly looking for it's not enough. It's not enough. But if I look at now, I go, actually, I do. I have a home. I have this. I have that. I can do this. I can travel. I can whatever it is that a person wants to do. Um, they're like, oh, okay. And immediately you can just see them going, oh, they can breathe. Okay. They can breathe. Yeah. I can breathe. Um, this is a different perspective. And and then opening up, it's really important to open up to that emotional side of it what is your emotional attachment to money why do you want more it's rarely actually about the money itself it's what they think the money will give them when you go into companies and deliver these sessions how many people in the room are are switched on to this and are very self-aware and conscious when it comes to money if any i would say the minority Mm. um Largely, the feedback is I've never thought of it like this before. Yeah. Like, as in, just, I mean, I can, and that's why I love the in person sessions, especially because I can see their faces, I can see their body language. Um, and I can see, I can, you can see, you know, the thought process going, oh, and then afterwards, the questions that come up. Um, and yeah, honestly, usually it's a case of I've never thought about money like this before because a lot of the time I'm just like can you give me a budget can you send me a budget how do I save tell me what to do to pay off debt um and very like you know tense that sense of like stress but actually afterwards yeah it is very like oh okay this is a whole new way of looking at money and it makes sense you can almost see like the puzzle pieces forming and people's like you can see it on their face they're like oh okay right, my value system, I get to choose. This is where I can release that need to compete, to compare, to feel something that, you know, I should, I constantly talk about the shoulds money. I can let them all go and then go home and focus on, right, what's important to me and focus on that. Um, And it's freeing. What a lot of people come back and say, it's so freeing to think about money in this way and motivating and exciting rather than a chore and boring and complicated. What, so, are some, yeah. what are some of the questions that 
people ask you when they're going through that process that perhaps gets them a little bit stuck in that process? Um, I, probably the most common question I get is um, about credit cards, actually. Very practical. Um, and then after that, when it comes to a mindset piece, a lot of the time it's actually, because it's so new to them, I get the questions afterwards. So I'll have someone book in, like I offer a free 20 minute chat and they'll book in and do a follow up then because like they've had to process it first. Um, another question I get that's quite common related to the emotional side of it is how to talk to others about money, be it your partner, um, your children, your family, because they're like, oh, this is an interesting thing. I really like this idea. Now, how can I basically embody this and talk to the important people in my life? about this way of money. Um, and then sometimes, I mean, cause usually it's a group, so we don't go obviously into too much detail on individuals unless they volunteer. And obviously it can be very personal. Um, questions around, oh, I grew up on this, and this happened in my life. Do you think this is why I behave this way about money? Do you think this is why? Um, so they start thinking about their money experiences, any trauma they had, what their life was like growing up, anything happened with their parents. You know, what experiences they had, they can have questions around how is that impacting what I do? So it's very varied because that's the thing. It's money. It's so personal. It is. And I don't think it's often looked through the lens of it being personal. It's just this thing that's true. We live in a world where there's money and we will have to figure it out. Um, And you should know the amount of people who say like "Ah," they're coming to me and they're like, I'm so embarrassed. You know, um, I don't want anyone to know because everybody else seems to know what to do and I don't I just don't I'm like no one was born with the playbook you know there is this and there is a lot of shaming language out there you know where people will say to me my job like I've had individuals um say do people really need this like surely you just spend less spend less than you earn that simple (laughs) like well that's like saying to someone who's like trying to lose weight and they say oh just eat less or, or I want to get fit just go for a run that's simple it's not that simple so if there's somebody listening to this that is perhaps an influential leader in their organization and and they're still in that mindset of do do people really need this do my employees need this is this something I really need to be paying attention to mm. what do you say to them yes you do <laughs> <laughs> you do you know I think it is, and especially now, you know, people are probably as stressed as they have been in very recent years. You know, with inflation has has been increasing, prices are going up globally. No matter where you are, people are talking about the cost of living right now. We have areas where there is specific, you know, there is, you know, a real sense of stress around money. And that will play out in your employees. I mean, there's so many studies out there as well where the amount of absenteeism driven by financial stress, the amount of time employees are spending at their desk, either worrying about money or dealing with money issues. You know, it's it's what's affecting their personal life. You know, so like it is often quoted as the top three, one of the top three reasons for divorce. You know, so that's happening in someone's personal life and it's feeding into how they're performing at work and how they're turning up at work. I think we cannot underestimate, and it's like a silent thing that we don't talk about. You know, we really yeah. don't talk about it um, enough. There's still a lot of shaming around it. And I think even if you are an employer who prides yourself on pay- paying your employees very well, 
there's a gap between paying them very well and, and enabling them or to support them to manage that money well. Because when they can manage that money well, that's when they turn up happier, more loyal, more productive. Like you said, more creative, they're less stressed, they're calmer, more collaborative individuals. And you know, no matter what size operation you have, whether it's two employees or 20,000 employees, I, I seriously doubt there's any organization that can sit there and say, my employees don't have financial stress. Yeah, 100%. I think yeah. you, you highlight a really important piece there is it's one thing to pay your employees well, but then teach them what to do with that money is, is really important. Mm. Not telling them what to do, but giving them the basic skills. I remember there was a time in my career, I, I got a pay rise and it was the more most money I'd ever had. Um, and I wasted it month after month after month until I learned my lesson. And <laughs> I could have learned that way sooner had I had some support from the workplace? Because I didn't get that support at school. I didn't get that nope. support from my family home. Nope. Unless I was really interested in money, which I wasn't really, like to learn about and understand it, I wouldn't be reading a book yep. about listening to something about it. So therefore, the only other place for me really to learn about it would be the workplace. And yeah. it wasn't there. It wasn't present. And I can only imagine then what that feels like when you're on the other side of the coin and you're not being paid well, so perhaps mm. you're not being underpaid and you don't know what to do with your money, right? In the yeah. most effective way, that just puts us into even more of a, a stress state and it puts your nervous yeah. pressure, your, your um, mental health under even more strain. And it's, yeah. it's, it's really tricky. So if there's somebody listening to this that perhaps is in that space, they don't know how to perhaps manage their money they know how much yeah. they've got. They've listened to a, to a speak today and they're like, yes, Carol, you've got me. I understand there's more to this than perhaps what I've been paying attention to. What do I do with it? What do I do with this whole money thing then? Now I'm aware of it. Yeah. And, um, and you know, this applies regardless of your money situation. So, you know, if you are in a position where you maybe have debt and you've made some choices that in hindsight you feel like mm, I could have made a better choice there and you ended up with debt in a difficult situation. Most people think the answer is more money. If I had more money, I can solve this. More money might fix it like that in the short term, but it'll just happen again. So it will happen again unless you until until you understand money, until you understand your habits. On the other side of that, you know, I have a lot of clients who are C-suite individuals who have money, who are earning well. And I would say, you know, I, I, I have people from both ends of that kind of sense of debt versus having lots of money in the bank, equally stressed because there is then that responsibility of, I have this level of money, I cannot make a wrong decision. And we procrastinate and we freeze. Or, all, or else there's shame and anxiety around that. Like I'm sitting in this position and my friend is maybe in this position and I am so ashamed. And yet I feel like I'm not what I should be with money. I don't feel happy. I don't have the great life. I don't, I don't, I don't, because they're still sitting in that lack and fear. What I would say to both individuals is, first of all, no matter what, there is an answer. There's always an answer, especially with debt. It can get very toxic. And, and for men in particular, if they feel like there's no way out, that can get quite dangerous. So there's always, always, always a way out. The second thing is get clarity. Clarity is your best friend when it comes to money. I regularly say money loves clarity. So sit down and actually, rather than thinking, I need more, I need the answer outside, look at what's happening right now from two angles. One, 
what is my cost of living? What am I spending every month? Pick out those credit card statements, let's say, if that's how you spend your money. And it could be a very vulnerable and scary place for a lot of people, but it's worth it. Look at it. Where is your money going? Is, is there any leakages? Because sometimes, like very often people will say to me, I earn a good salary, don't have a crazy lifestyle. I'm quite sensible. My money just seems to fall through my fingers. Why am I not able to save more? And I ask, do you ever look at where you spent your money for the last month? Oh, no, 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 I'm terrified. Because sometimes we have, you know, we, we can't run spreadsheets in our brains. We can't know how everything adds up. And sometimes there's frauds and things going through there that we're just hemorrhaging money we're not even aware of. So we need to get that clarity. Every single person who does this, and sometimes, and a lot of the reason to me is to kind of hold their hand through that process because they're scared. They're scared of what they're going to see. They're feeling very vulnerable. So we go through that process with very much of a lens of let's just have a look. Let's see what's happening here. Figure out what we're happy with, what we're not happy with. Thankfully, and there's research behind this as well that shows most people think they're worse off than they actually are. Like 70% of people, when they look at their financials, are actually better off than they feared. So they're sitting in this fear and this stress of like, <gasps> it's horrendous and you're trying to bury it and move on and forget about it, but it's always there. It never goes away, it's always there. And then they look at it and they go, oh, it's not that bad. And I was stressed for so long. For the 30% who like, okay, maybe it is as bad as I expected. Every single person who I know, I'm so glad I did this. I already feel better. Because now I'm not second guessing. I'm not wondering what if. I'm not, because we're humans, right? We have that negativity bias, We, especially with finances, with money. Um, <clears throat> the research shows as well that we, we have an even stronger negativity bias when it comes to money, if we feel like we're in a bad situation. So appeasing that or even just going, okay, this is my reality, and then make a plan. And, and come at it with that sense of values. And then watch your mindset. So get the clarity. Get clear on exactly what's happening with your money right now, where you stand, whether it's with debt or how much money you have and what you're doing with it. And then make a plan, make a conscious plan in line with your values so that you are taking control of your money and deciding what's happening. And then really look at your mindset. When you're doing that exercise, it's a great way to understand your money mindset. What language, how are you feeling in your body when you look at your finances? How, when you see certain transactions, does it make you feel physically sick or does it make you feel happy? You know, it will tell you and how you feel about money and taking note of that is really important. And it, it, it can be a bit of work, I will be honest, at first, but it's so freeing. It's so worthwhile and it completely changes your whole for some people have told me their whole outlook on life yeah it, you, you I've, I've experienced this firsthand um with those that i know when it comes to them thinking about every last penny that they spend they'll be out everyone's mm. having a good time and it will cause some kind of just this this angst inside them and they make a different choice then you know you can see that it's not a choice that they want to be making and it's yeah. it's, it's, it's awkward for everyone involved and it's it's and it's horrible because you know that there, there's suffering happening at that point. And yeah. one thing you mentioned um, is that for men, this is particularly worse for. And in my experience, that I've seen that also. And is that really because of that masculine, energetic nature of needing to protect and needing to uh, provide? Um, does it come from that psychology or is there more to it than that uh, when it comes to the amount of pressure men face? Because I know that there's a high correlation towards uh, men and finances and high stress, chronic pain and suicide rates. 
Yes, it is. It's really dangerous. And I think, um, yes, it, to answer your question, there, it, it is rooted a lot in that masculinity because money has evolved into this masculine thing. But there's a really amazing and interesting piece of research out of the US, the US bank did it. And it looked at how women are spoken to in the media when it comes to money articles, you know, when they're targeted when it, money um, articles largely then you have how men are spoken to. So even if we take out and think about like the media that we are absorbing all of the time and we take out our family, our culture, our geography, our socioeconomic, all of that kind of thing. This study in itself, I said, just shows it all. When men are spoken to when it comes to money, it's very powerful words. It's about earn as much as you can, provide for your family, be the man. You know, the more money you earn, the better man that you are, you know, and you have to do this and invest and be strong and take risks. And that kind of brings them up to be like, this is how I am. This is a man that I am. Whereas women, it's it's about stop shopping, find discount codes save a little, don't be frivolous and just have a little bit on the side just in case, but basically leave it to the men. You just, you know, rein in your shopping sprees and control your urges. So if you think about it, we're exposed to that on a constant basis from a young age. And then you throw on top of that, all the cultural, all of the historical, you know, men and women, you know, how we have been treated. If you even think about, you know, the, um, the, the, Oh, I've gone blank. The the UK stock exchange. I've gone completely blank. Um, women were not allowed into the London Stock Exchange until the 1970s. Wow. Like that's very recent. In a lot of regions, still all over the world, women are not allowed. What is that telling us? And what is that telling men? That in itself, you know, I'm not. I, I'm not considered eligible, good enough, wise enough, capable of managing the family assets. Yeah. So I can't inherit it, my mother will. You know, even in Ireland, you know, they, the um, up until very recently, and even still happens, it still happens to this day, it's a family choice, but it still happens, that the eldest boy in the family gets the family home in the inheritance. Wow. Goes to him. Yeah. You know, so yeah. what's that telling the females and what's that telling the men? So the men are conditioned to, and then that's a lot of responsibility for them. <clears throat> I think sometimes we forget that because I do focus on largely on women because I think we're hugely underserved when it comes to financial information that we can relate to, that we understand that actually means is meaningful to us. However, men carry so much weight, so much responsibility. And that's when it's not going well. It's very, it can be very tragic at times and it's happened. I mean, it's happened to people I know where they just saw no way out and it can, it can really be attached to their self-worth. Yeah. If I'm not earning yeah. from my family, I'm not, I'm not this, I'm not that. And it's, 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 um, it's dangerous. It really is. If we don't kind of acknowledge it, because sometimes it's so subconscious and then you can imagine the causes of the issues in relationships between men and women. Yeah. because he's coming at it from his masculine energy and I I, I did a corporate wellness um, uh, workshop recently and it was really interesting because it was about two-thirds women one-third men and I asked a question at one point and um, I put it out to everyone in the room what does money mean to you what is money and the women reported security independence freedom dignity the men social construct, what I need to get ahead, and something else quite practical. 
I said, that, there you go. So you try to get in a room, it says it all. So a man is coming at that conditioning and that belief system that money is a tool that I need to get ahead and it shows how good I am, how successful I am. And a woman's coming at it going, well, it makes me feel secure. It's very emotional to me. And and I'm feeling very insecure and vulnerable here because I've never been told about money. Investing feels very masculine and I'm not actually okay with it. And they try to have a conversation about family finances. Yeah. And they can't, if they don't see each other's perspective, is it any wonder it causes arguments? Um, and it, it, it's, a, it's a problem if we don't. And that's they're the sessions I love doing a lot, actually, the women and men and money, because from a relationship perspective, it, it, um, that's where I get women, especially at the end, and men as well, actually, going, I can't wait to go home and talk to my husband about this now. What is our value system when it comes to money in our household? And I'm interested to know now, ah, oh, that's why he behaves like that when we talk about money. Ah, because, yeah, I know now in his childhood, this, this. I get it now. And you come out, it's more, and, and vice versa. You know, oh, she, ah, it's not that she doesn't understand her. She doesn't. It's because, ah, I get it. Now we can have an easier conversation, an open conversation. And it changes, changes relationships. Yeah, it will change the attitude towards money and towards those situations where perhaps one person's overspent or wants to spend on this and the other one doesn't. Like the whole attitude and, and the level of consideration just mm. increases drastically and level of understanding and obviously that's important for anyway so to then address those stresses from a place of compassion understanding and openness is really important but i yes. guess there has to be first and foremost a safe space without that sounding yeah. too cliche and too fluffy for anyone listening is that there has to be an element of security and safety to be able to open that dialogue and to be able to actually expose it and my concern is um in the workplace is that it's not being spoken about like we said even though it's one of the places we spend most of our time and it's fine you don't have to tell everybody the ins and outs of of all of your finances but to open the conversation through a workshop so with like yourself helps to create a space where men can talk about their emotions around it Mm when women can really openly share what's what's on their mind and and learn the literacy that perhaps has been missing all this time like that but there has to be the environment created for it how important is that in your eyes oh it's so important and you know even not just that men can share their emotions that men are often unaware that there is an emotional element to it for them it's very practical very often you know i mean that's a generalization but it, it's it's the reality so even just opening their eyes to go oh there is an emotional side to money here that i hadn't even thought about before they'll be feeling it but maybe unaware of it and creating that space where it's okay to talk about money and even in the relationships in work and again it's not just couples who benefit from this colleagues will benefit from this where they will understand each other more and in my workshops we don't ever talk about personal circumstances and i i personally don't think that we need to be sharing what our salaries are we don't need to be saying what our personal finances are that can stay very private it's still a very vulnerable space for us but what we can do is be able to say you know i'm quite stressed about money right now or i'm feeling this or this has happened um, and therefore, this is why I do. Or like to your example, like we might have a lunch out with your colleagues. And if they can understand why one person is saying, no, I'm not going to lunch because I'm saving money for this. It's important to me because. 
And then you can just accept that rather than judging them to go, why you spend your money in that way? That's ridiculous. You should be doing this. You know, this is more important. So it allows the communication and the dialogue between colleagues and things that might not necessarily before have been attached to money, but actually are. And I think it reduces the judgment and the expectations of each other. And it just rebuilds relationships. And especially when it comes to different cultures as well, if we can get in a room when you've got men, women, cultures, age groups, and people are sharing safe experiences, again, people get really interested and they think, because they find it really interesting, thankfully. Um, when we get into that space, people do think, oh, because it's new. I never thought of it like that before. And you can relate back to myself and it's understanding that person more. The more we can understand each other, the better for all parts of our life, work, personal, everything. So yeah, I love it when when companies do let me come in with that mindset piece of it, not just here's how to get out of debt, which is very helpful. Don't get me wrong. That's great. But here's how to get out of debt. And let's talk about why you got into debt in the first place. What emotions might have driven you to make the decisions that you did so that you don't get into that same situation again. So, and, and this is why it is a pillar of wellness and not yeah. just something that stands alone, right? Because it, it really does influence everything. Like we truly believe that nothing works in silo anyway. But no. when it comes to our well-being, like everything is intertwined. But finances you know, it will impact our mental health, it'll impact our levels of social connection, and our ability to feel safe, it will impact uh, our obviously our emotional well being, it impacts our env environment and our environment, environmental wellness, there's so many facets that sometimes finance gets gets missed off the list. And it's essential that it needs to be part of that well being story, because it's, it's fundamental, I think it's absolutely foundational. It's foundational and actually I believe, and I might be a little bit biased, but I believe that like it underpins all of it. If you think about it, like I talk about emergency funds, for example, if I put it like this. So, and I actually prefer to call them cash cushions because who wants to save for an emergency, right? That's not very motivating. That's actually really generating stress. I need to put money aside because something bad's going to happen. A cash cushion is money I have there that gives me freedom. That's like, oh, if something happens, I can pay for it. I'm good. I'm fine. Whew, my nervous system gets you know immediately to think when and it's a great way if you are stressed um and you think oh something has happened well, how am i going to pay for this that's okay the money's there it's okay the money's there i can deal with it so when we have that sense of like calmness then we're making decisions less out of lack and fear and more out of that kind of conscious way and, and if you think about it what are those decisions and other aspects of wellness can I go to the fitness class? Can I do the meditation class? What level of groceries can I buy? Can I buy organic or can I do this? Can I socialize with my friends? That's social connection. That's so important. Can I socialize with my friends? Do I have the money to do that? Like if we think about all of these things, like even, you know, get good, good sleep, you know, having healthy habits. If I want good sleep, then I want a good sleeping environment. That means a nice mattress that I have to pay for. You know, all of these things, money does help us to either enhance them or it's going to hold us back or it's going to feed into, ooh, you know, even, oh, I bought the nice mattress, but oh my goodness, it was so expensive. I couldn't afford this. And then if you're lying on that mattress thinking, I spent so much money on this mattress, this is crazy. And so, okay, I planned this, it's conscious, it's in line with my values because one of my values is to be healthy and whatever that might be. And sleeping is a big part of that. And I'm investing my money in that. And I am so grateful that I had the money to do it. And you lie on that mattress and go, this is amazing. Money helped me achieve this good thing in my life. That's the difference. And money impacts pretty much all of it. It does. Yeah, absolutely it does. I can't think of one thing that it doesn't impact. Yes. It's, it's, 
it's almost because <laughs> um, even people say oh well you know if I go to the beach that's free I'm like well how do you get there what do you wear do you eat while you're there <laughs> you <have laughs> even if you you're too busy earning money what's that you have time to go or are you too busy earning money <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> or you're too stressed when you're there because you're worrying about money you know it, it, there's almost nothing like that even like oh sleeping you but you're sleeping in a room with air conditioning and the clothes that you're wearing and the bed linen that you're lying in um the mattress that you paid for so money impact and we're not even talking about being rich here you know we're talking about <laughs> having enough money to said start living in alignment to what we value yeah you know, we don't yeah. have the most expensive mattress we have to have the one that fits your body in your shape in your what your needs are um yeah it's fascinating me how kind of full circle this is, how intertwined it all is. Let's, mm. let's get even more practical. So you talked about getting, first of all, taking the courage to look mm. and clarity. Yeah. Talked about then having a plan. What could a plan look like? And I get that it would be different for everybody, but are yeah. there any rules of thumb that a very practical for anyone listening yes my favorite one so I often get asked how much should I spend on my housing how much should I be spending and whatever that might be I personally love the 50 20 30 rule so you know I didn't make this up it's been there for years and um, what it does is it's a, well I actually call it a benchmark I use it as a starting point so if I'm working with someone and we're looking at their finances we'll categorize everything and then say okay how are you going against the 50 20 30 rule and what that is, is it suggests that up to 50% of our income is dedicated to our needs. So our basic needs, our housing, our food, our electricity, things that we have to spend money on to survive. Now, how much we spend on it can be discretionary, but, but they become our fixed costs very soon. You know, we, we buy a house and the mortgage is set. We rent a house. The rental is set for a period of time. So up to 50% in our needs up to 30% on our wants, or some people call it the fun thing. So things that we want to do, but we don't actually have to. Eating out, food delivery, you know, travel, health and fitness classes. We might, they might be a strong value for us, so we can have high priority wants, but we actually could live without them. Maybe not be as happy, but we won't die. Then you have at least 20% on Traditionally, what was called savings, what I prefer to say is your future self. Something that my future self is going to benefit from. Because savings, again, it's a common question I get like, well, what are savings? Like, you know, is savings investing in savings in this? So I would say my future self. So maybe it's up to 20% paying off my debt, saving towards that emergency fund or cash cushion, saving towards your retirement, saving towards a deposit for a home. Something that we need to, I would recommend you need to make sure that that future self is something that's important to you going back to giving it a purpose give those savings a purpose not just money in the bank so money in the bank is not going to ease your nervous system it won't because it'll never be enough it has to be that money in the bank gives me the sense of security that if anything happens my family are taken care of i can go home when i need to i can pay for the car if the engine blows up you know i can or I'm saving towards a house that's important to me to, buy, to provide security for my family so that we can have a nice home and environment to live in. That's what that money is doing. So that, uh, and then do that for a year. And that, because when you do the clarity piece that I mentioned earlier, you get a good insight into what you're happy with, where your money is going, what you're not happy with. Your value system will bubble to the forefront. 
Because when you start looking at, oh, I spent all that money on, and that could be anything. We're, I mean, I'm in the UAE, we're in the UAE, one of the number one costs I see on when we do this analysis is eating out. Um, and there's a lot of that's connection. You know, we eat out with friends and family because it's connection given where we are, we're largely expats. But very often people will go, oh, I had no idea spending that much money it adds up to that like i had one family who said no no no. eating out for us is probably like maximum two thousand a month maximum and when we did it it was six they were horrified horrified they were shocked like how is it that much in their head it was just lunch they're like it's the breakfast it's the coffees it's the dinners here and there it's it's all of these everyone's that they just didn't even register but their value system was like we don't need to do that this is madness Let's reduce that to put the money somewhere else. So build, do that, that practical, that cash flow plan with that in mind. Another family were the same. And actually, interestingly, theirs was as well about 6,000 a month. They were like, we're happy with that. Because for us, that's when we see our friends. We connect as a family. We play card games around the table. We're happy to invest that amount of money, given the income that we are and our priorities in life. Fine. So in their cash flow plan, they will have 6,000 a month. The other family will be like, no, no, 2,000 is enough for us. And we'll manage that and do it with that premise and plan that out for 12 months. And what that will do for you on a practical level, it will give you clarity. You are in control of your money. You are telling it what to do. It's not controlling you. You are putting it there tangible. So it's no more kind of, oh, I don't really know what's happening and I'm constantly reacting. My car insurance is due in April every year. So I'm going to start saving for that now my annual travel costs this amount and i want to keep doing that because that's important to us so i'm going to start saving for that amount to be spent next july i'm going to start planning for that now so you have that sense of oh i'm in control then clarity where you might be hemorrhaging and honestly it's the best thing and to me it's like a manifestation tool because i'm putting it out there this is what i want to happen with my money it's practical i can put it some people print them out and put them on their wall um and then and i'm deciding and that's why, and that's why I call it a cash flow plan as well. It's a budget, right? Like if you want to talk technical terms, that's your budget. But a budget feels restrictive, right? A budget's like, oh, you've done something wrong. I've been put on a money diet. Oh, I'm shamed. <gasps> I'm on a budget. I don't have enough. It's lack. It's like, oh, no one wants a budget. Whereas a cash flow plan, same thing. But a cash flow plan with a different mindset is I'm planning and my money is going to flow through my life and do what I want it to do. And I'm deciding. Yeah. And that's the difference. It's so, it's amazing that just by the the reframing of what you call those budgets makes makes a difference. So I've always called that that social piece, like the fun fund. That's my fun fund. We've got a, a wealth wealth building fund, which is for investments and things like that. Then we've got the, like our living fund, which is like our day to day stuff, like you say, cost of living. Um, yeah, what's missing in there? Um, there's one more that you mentioned um but it's not that relevant but it was but it just changes the the mindset that like it, t- yeah. it takes away any guilt from spending money mm-hmm. on and that I yeah. found that personally like really 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 powerful because it was like I didn't have to think twice I didn't have to feel guilty for choosing that over that because I I understood I understood yes. now and it's like oh okay yeah that makes sense for me and it's like okay now I've got like no fear of missing out <laughs> I'm quite enjoying the fact that yeah. you're like, your thing and I'll go do my thing whereas before when I was younger and probably a bit more naive, I, I would have like tried to stretch myself to go and to do that thing, to be involved. And actually the more I got to know myself throughout the process, 
it helped me to live more authentically and more aligned. And that's ultimately where our sense of meaning comes from. And that's where I think that's exactly that. That is where your sense of meaning comes from. And that's where you can, you feel happier. You're more fulfilled and you're not keeping up with the Joneses, which, you know, we're all young and we do when we're, we're figuring out what we like and we don't like. But you do get to the point where if you are constantly still going out because you feel you should, and then that's causing you financial stress and you're actually not enjoying it, that's when we get into that that negative cycle. Whereas this is where people don't realize, like, because when they how important the money element is in it and a lot of my clients will say you know I thought Carol actually we were going to be working on budgets this is a whole deeper you know more impactful thing than we ever imagined in a positive way thankfully because it does allow you to then to sit in that and in that situation like there can be a case of let's say you ended up with a lot of debt you know I have individuals who say I have a lot of debt I'm struggling to pay it off and I'm always torn between I put myself on a budget and I say I'm going to spend less and I'm not going to go out and then my friends call me, you know, like if you're young and in Dubai, for example, or, you know, you've just arrived or anywhere really in the world and you want a social life. And then my friends will call me and say, oh, we're going to brunch or we're going to this, one that you want to come. Um, and it's very hard to say no. It's very hard to say no in that situation. And then and have it explained and the peer pressure and all the rest. Whereas we sit, I sit with that individual and I say, OK, like, let's do your cash flow plan. What do you want to do with your money? How much do you want to dedicate to socializing in this case? And then what are you going to do with the money that you're not spending? What are you going to do with it? What's it for? Let's say in that case, it's to pay off debt. And it's not even just to pay off debt, because again, who wants to pay off credit card debt? It's not motivating. It's a bit like that emergency fund. It's like, oh, I don't even know what I spent. Usually they're like, it's, just, it's usually a lifestyle thing. I don't even know where that money went. Now I'm just putting it into a black hole that I'd rather go out with my friends. I'm just going to go. You know, whereas we, if we look at it and go, right, when you pay off that debt, how is your life going to be then? What is that going to give your future self? So when that debt is gone, you're not going to have distress. You're not going to have that amount coming out of your money every month. And you're going to have a sense of achievement. And that extra, let's say, 500 a month, what will you do with that extra money when you then have no longer got debt and you're feeling freer and less stressed? That's when they sit there, when their friends call and go, are you coming? I say, actually, no. Because I would rather spend that 500 building towards that future self that I'm so excited about, the debt's the bit in the middle, then go out now and then feel guilty about it tomorrow. And it helps people live more aligned as well. Um, and then when they do go out with their friends and they've voted for that amount, like exactly you said, they enjoy it more. There's no guilt. They're free. They're like, I planned everything. I'm all organized. I can spend this money here and I can just forget about the money and enjoy myself. Exactly. And nice. You can really be present and actually enjoy what yes. you're doing rather than be physically there but mentally somewhere else or living with that yeah. like shame hangover the next day because you didn't stick to your own word and yeah that obviously when we don't and we lean into the healthier approach that you've just described you know confidence increases drastically oh, yeah. and there's so many benefits to that you know I've seen people go through a similar journey and then they've suddenly met the person that they were supposed to meet because they've made yes. they're in alignment with them and now they're in a really happy romantic relationship or they've, they've um had the confidence to apply for the job that they wanted to do or to they attract more money exactly exactly it's amazing when you step out of that sense of lack and fear and control with money and then because all you wanted was more money and then you let that go and then you live a different way and then money arrives you know like, oh. 
the voicemails and the text messages from people going, you'll never believe this has happened. I'm like, God, actually, I do believe it. But yeah, it's great. Because then when you sit in that alignment, like you said, then the things, the true authentic things arrive. And very often that is more money, but without the stress. And that's when it's, again, adding to your life more. Exactly. And one thing I really want to iterate is everything you talked about today is for every human being. Um, yes. Almost like, except extreme poverty, obviously. Like what we're talking about mm-hmm. here is true for everyone. You know, particularly yeah. those living here in the UAE, you know, we are lucky, we are privileged. Um, you know, you don't see much homelessness and things like that. We're in a place where actually we're, we're living very comfortably compared to other places in the world and but the all of the principles that you've spoken about today are true for people that have lots of money that are struggling and perhaps mm-hmm. don't have it and same for people that don't have much money yes. at all um and yes. between and everything in between um but i think that you know when, absolutely because i often get asked like uh, there's sometimes an assumption that i only work with work with high net worth individuals um but i or, or how with corporates like how do we Sometimes they're like, well, you know, our employees are earning in a certain bracket. Like, are they really going to benefit from this? And I constantly say, it's not about what you earn, it's about what you do. So it's not about the amount of zeros in your bank. It's about what you're doing with what you currently have. But I do want to touch on as well, you know, we are in the UE and we do often have a huge opportunity to be quite comfortable. But I think there's also, there is a large percentage of people here who are really struggling. And debt is a major, major problem here among expats and i think what as well we need to acknowledge i think companies need to acknowledge as well that we often don't is living here we don't have a safety net and that drives financial fear that sense of insecurity if i was in ireland and i lost my job there's the social welfare i could move in with my parents you know i have options if i lose my job here or something bad happens what happens and that can often drive the financial stress as well that sense of oh, need to save, I need to save, I need to save, I need to save, I need to do better. Um, that I think we don't often actually acknowledge here as well. Yeah. And that's when we see situations like people leaving their cars abandoned at the airport and leaving, never coming back to, to the, this region again and having to make that life choice. Um, not yeah. Their hand has almost been forced to. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm yeah. sure they're, they're, hopefully it's the minority <laughs> people that do that intentionally, but I think on the most part, nobody wants to get to that place and no you can influence it yeah exactly no one wants to get there and I think as well another thing that we need to you know really talk about more is supporting people who are there because like you said very very small percentage do it deliberately it's largely circumstance you know just maybe lack of financial literacy lack of understanding of decisions being vulnerable and manipulated that happens a lot um, just not really understanding the consequences of their decisions on their finances. And then someone gets into that situation where they're like, I'm in a hole, what do I do? Too embarrassed to tell anyone. You know, I have a lot of individuals you know, who will are, are here, who are working with me because they say, I'm constantly being told by my friends, surely you, are, you must be loaded, very rich, you're ready to retire. You know, you've been working here a long time on a good salary and they are drowning in debt. Behind the scene, and they're like, I can't tell them. I'm too embarrassed. Like they would literally be, and and say, unfortunately, I did try to talk to someone, and their response is, what? How could you be so stupid? This kind of language. How did you manage to do that? And then the person retreats more because they're shamed. They're already shaming themselves. They don't need external shaming as well. And usually it is 
emotional reasons that drive it that I think we need to be very very compassionate and empathetic about um, and that's when exactly they feel like they've no way out they leave and it's not good for the employer it's not good for the country it's not good for banks um, and it's not good for that person because they're living with that for the rest of their lives and very few people can just let that go yeah you know exactly. it's there yeah. shame is one of the mm-hmm. heaviest emotions that we can experience as well. and once that's yeah. It's it's a tricky one to shape, but it is doable with compassionate, supportive people, uh, particularly with your skill set that can help to guide somebody through that. With with yeah. anybody that's listening to this that can really resonate with what you're sharing there around debt, is there anything extra that they need to know when it comes to practical implementation of some of the things you've already mentioned? So if you have credit card debt, this is one I regularly talk about, in credit card debt in this region, in the UAE, is extremely expensive. I mean, it's expensive worldwide. It's the number one cause of consumer debt worldwide, consumer credit cards. But here you're looking at sometimes well over 50% interest. So sometimes people will ask me, you know, I've got credit card debt, I've got a loan, and I've got maybe, you know, I owe some people money and with debt zero interest, who should I pay off first? I am. Um, I would always urge people to really look at the credit card piece because I think it's wildly misunderstood how credit cards work, how expensive they are. Sometimes they'll say, but it's only 2.99%. That's per month. Multiply that by 12. That's your true interest rate. Look at your credit card and see how much interest you are paying every month. And I know that can be ooh, that can be a tough pill to swallow, but it's a motivation and a, again, clarity. Now you know. Um, if you do have a lot of debt and you want and you're feeling a bit overwhelmed by it. Again, get the clarity. You know, there is always a way out, but get clarity. Map out exactly what it is. What do you have in your credit cards? What are the interest rates per credit card? Do you have loans? What are the interest rates? What are the terms? Look at your cost of living. Is there anywhere you can reduce? Look at your income. Is there anywhere you can increase? Is there anywhere you can get access to extra cash? And then make a plan. Make a plan that, again, you want to have the end goal there. So map out all of your and if you all of your your debts, how much you can put off each debt per month, how long it will then take you to pay it off, and then go back again to that. What will you do when it's paid off? You need that motivation. You need something to keep you going. But very often, you know, we bury our head in the sands when it comes to debt. I've had a lot of people say to me here, you know, oh, my credit card. I don't understand it. No matter what money I put off, it just never seems to go away. I've given up. I've yeah. given up. And then it's just spiraling and it's getting bigger and bigger. It doesn't go away. It doesn't go away. So focus on credit card debt and be very, very careful of credit cards. In general, always pay them off in full. They're amazing tools. I love mine. I use mine. I pay everything on it, like my debit card, but I pay it off in full every month. And I get amazing benefits with my credit card. But it's only benefits if you're paying it off in full every month. Because that's another misconception um, that I hear here that I don't hear in other regions and it's from all nationalities here but I think the communication maybe um that you only need to pay the minimum balance on your credit card every month mm-hmm. have to pay it off in full I think there's a lot of language out there if you you only need to pay off your minimum balance every month to avoid the late payment fee and to protect your credit card score to a certain extent it does not protect you from interest yeah yeah that's exactly the scenario I was in about 10 years ago and I ended up um, 
getting a loan to pay off the credit card because the interest rate was better and then and immediately cut off the credit cards never had a credit mm-hmm. card since. um until actually that's not true until about maybe four or five years ago i then got a credit card yeah. again in the way that you've described but i had to have a period with not having one <laughs> just and that's to- a good idea just to yes if you do have credit card debt and get it like a consolidation loan what and again what we mentioned earlier is then take a period of time without using that credit card. Work on your financial habits, upgrade your financial literacy, understand how you got into the situation that you did. And then when you're, it's a bit like when you're fit and ready again and you're healthy again, then you can reintroduce the credit card in a healthier manner. Not like some people would say, never, ever, ever, ever. Well, you know, credit cards have a lot of benefits, but they need to be used consciously in a fit and healthy way. And they're amazing things. But yeah, it's, it's, it is, I call it financial quicksand. If you're trying to pay off a credit card and you're not understanding that that element of how much interest you're actually paying and how expensive it is, it is that sense of like, I'm fighting, I'm fighting, I'm fighting, and I just keep drowning, I just keep drowning. The harder I fight, the worse it gets. Um, so it's, and, and it's very common. I will say to anyone who's sitting there thinking, it's only me, it's me. It's not. Yeah. It's extremely common from every walk of life, every level of education, every level of career progression. Um, you might be surprised by those of you around you who are dealing with this, but are too embarrassed to admit it. And the good, news, the good news is, is listening to a conversation like this and going and following your work is that they're at a choice point then. You know, you can't unknow what you know now. Uh, yes, you can yeah. choose to put your head in the sand yes. and that might feel yes. easier in the short term, but in the long term it's only going to come back to bite you. So like the, I really appreciate the work that you do out in the world, but particularly in this region, because it's, it's absolutely necessary. Carol, is there anything that you haven't mentioned? And I know you've mentioned a lot already. You've shared so, so many insights that will be useful, but is there anything that you think our listeners like really need to hear on financial wellness? Um, I think we have talked about a lot, haven't we? We've got, we went quite broad, um, which is great. I think, you know, really it is about, it's worth it. You know, I will say investing time in this is self-care. You know, you really are doing your future self a massive, massive benefit. You will be glad regardless of where you're sitting. Even if you're someone who feels quite comfortable, you know, there is so many elements of financial wellness that we can improve on and it will help and it will help your relationships. It will help your stress levels, you know, there's so many additional benefits that when we look at our finances and feel more in control of them and feel financially well, it impacts relationships, our eating, our sleeping, our exercise. Like it, it really is worth that foundational and um, that benefit that we get to our like our basic our, our decision making foundation. So but also be kind to yourself. I think that would probably be the biggest thing. If you're doing this and you're scared and you're afraid of what you'll see, be aware of the negative self-talk. Be kind to yourself. As we say, when we know better, we do better. And we can really sometimes only do better when we look under that hood. So, but there's enough negativity out there. Do it with that view of, okay, it's time to look at this. It's okay what happened in the past, I'll learn from it. Um, and, and my future self will thank me. So, 
100% amazing Carol thank you so so much I've got one last question for you it's the same question I ask all of our listeners um so for every listen this podcast gets a donation is made towards one of the 2030 global goals uh we do this so to demonstrate how we could perhaps use some financial wellness to be able to actually support big causes and help companies as well to or encourage them to fulfill and contribute to their corporate social responsibilities by linking simple actions of what they perhaps already do inside their business to be able to then be a force for good elsewhere. So you've chosen the goal of a life below water um, to support mm. this episode. Why is that so important to you? I'm heavily influenced by my children. Um, <laughs> so we talk a lot in this household about, you know, sea life. I mean, I love scuba diving. I love swimming. I love being by the sea and the ocean and you know, we do in this house feel very passionate about recycling and cleaning up the oceans and the damage that's happened there. Um, and that is why. So, yeah, it's just something that as a family we feel very passionate about cleaning up our seas. Amazing, amazing. And that has a knock on effect to so many other uh, of the goals in the same way that finance has a knock on effect to all of the other areas of, of our, our human experience. So what a great choice. Thank you so, so much, Carol. We'll make sure all of the links to where our listeners can find you are in the show notes, but is there anywhere in particular you would like to signpost them to now to come and follow your work? I am quite active on LinkedIn under my own name, Carol Glynn. Um, I'm active also on, on Instagram. It's where I post most of my tips and advice on, on, on awareness videos on um, personal finance. So on my website, of course, consciousfinancecoaching.com. Amazing. I wish I'd met you when I was like, well, at school probably, but I probably wouldn't have paid attention at least until I was at least 18. <laughs> but um, I, I wish I'd have known what you teach now then. So I think if anybody is, and I'm sure there's still a lot I can learn from you, and I've no doubt our listeners can as well. So please, please, please go and follow Carol. She's got everything you need when it comes to financial wellness. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed this episode and you haven't done so already, hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Then share it with a friend who you think might benefit. Spread the word. That's how we're going to impact the world by helping each other. We appreciate you so much. And as always, unconditional love and wellness to you.